Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui, Weekly Daf. Give me 40 minutes or so, and I'll give you a Daf or so. If you look outside, you'll see a big, big moon. That means that we're almost there. Just about two weeks till Rosh Hashanah, till New Year's. Time to really start taking it seriously. Every time that you blow the shofar in the morning, or you hear the shofar in the morning, or you think about hearing the shofar in the morning, it's wake-up time. It's wake-up time. Saying the name tonight, unfortunately, of Dijon Kizzy, who here in Los Angeles was shot two nights ago by police. Well, he was riding his bicycle, the sheriff's department. He was riding his bicycle. And they say he was riding his bicycle out of code. They had no idea which codes. This is serious. They had no idea which codes. So they shot him and killed him. And then, of course, they claimed that there was a gun, which they couldn't find. We're still roiled by the shooting of Jacob Blake. Still haven't gotten justice for Brianna Taylor. It's time to do tshuva. Oh, I keep saying, it's time to do tshuva. Let's keep saying it to myself. Time to do tshuva. How do I, as a white Jew, go back and dig deep into the past of this country, this racist past of this country, this country founded on genocide of Native Americans and enslavement of black people. A president who is more and more disconnected from reality every single day. With that optimistic start, let's go shelter in Gemara for a little while. Okay, we are on 38B, near the bottom of the page. Three lines up from the bottom in the Vilna edition, the edition that was typeset and published by the brothers and widow Ram Low these 150 years ago. Uh, I will put a link into the Apple podcast page, as usual, to the various different places you could find this page. Okay. The Gemara, we just finished talking about various different places of Chazakah and whether, how far, where you could be, and do you have to be in the same place, and how you can do Mecha'ah. So here the Gemara starts kind of an excursus, stops back and says, wait, hechidami mecha'a. What does mecha'a look like? Amar Avzid, planya gazalnahu lahavi mecha'a. If somebody says, planya, plony, John Doe, is a thief, that's not considered a protest. Planya gazalnahu dinaked la la'arai begazlanuta ulamachar tevana lebedina havi mecha'a. On the other hand, if you say, John Doe, Plony, is a thief, and he took my land by theft, and tomorrow I am going to take him to court, I'm going to sue him in court, that is considered a mecha, that's considered a protest, right? That's a real challenge to his trying to usurp my land, trying to squat on my land. One minute, a digression to this Gemara's digression, this is a great example of the difference between law in rabbinic times, actually in late antiquity, and law nowadays, right? A, a stark difference, which is obvious to everybody, but so obvious that it is sometimes transparent. Then late antiquity, there was no police, right? The, these aren't crimes, even though nowadays, if somebody stole your land, if somebody invaded your house, if somebody set up shop on your farm and started plowing your farm, you would think though nowadays it's very dangerous to do it, but you would think to call the police, right? You would think to call the police. The police would remove those people. 
And then there would be some kind of administrative proceedings. And in those administrative proceedings, it would be the state who would be prosecuting the violator, the transgressor. That would be a crime as opposed to just a wrongdoing. Right Here, it's just what he's saying is that John Doe, Plony, stole my land. So therefore, I'm going to take him to court and sue him for the land back because he did he transgressed, he did something wrong to me, and therefore he has to make it up to me, or I want to demand that he makes it up to me in court. And that's a whole different thing, and that's the the, the length of the distance between the legal system in late antiquity, in the time of the Gemara, and the legal system today. There was a lot of steps in between. Okay. So anyway, so that's considered, the Gemara says that that's what a protest is, that's what a mecha'a is, that you say John Doe is a thief, and he stole my land, and tomorrow I'm going to take him to court. Amar, la mai. What happens if I say, Plony is a thief, and he stole my land, and tomorrow I'm going to take him to court, but don't tell him. Amar Azid, now that doesn't work with uh, tomorrow I'm going to take him to court, maybe. But it says, don't tell him. Amar Azid, so Rosid said, no, the implication is no, that doesn't work because you said don't tell him. So if you don't tell him, the whole point of the mecha'av, the challenge, the pro- is so that the person who's sitting on the land has a chance to make sure that they preserve their contract, that they know that somebody's challenging their ownership of the land. And if you don't tell him anything, he doesn't have a chance for that. that there's no communication there. Rav Papa Amar, the delist, Rav Papa says, what about the following case? So don't tell him, but you can tell other people. Why? And this is the, the, the theory that we saw on the previous page, the theory of, of Jewish communication. Your friend has a friend, and your friend's friend has a friend. So in other words, you shouldn't tell him, but if you tell other people, that's okay, and eventually it'll get to him. Amrulai, they said to him, what happens if they say to him, La Amrinanlay? So Rahab is saying that would be okay. But then what happens if they, if the people he says it to say, We didn't tell him? The other people say, We won't tell him. Amrazid haka Amrulay la Amrinanlay. So Rahab said, No, the implication is that doesn't work because they're not going to tell him. Again, it's a communicative situation. You have, you need a person telling another person this challenge so that the second person will be able to preserve their star their deed. Rav Papa Amar, so what happened, what about the following situation? So Rav Papa says, what happens if they say, if these other people you say it to say, we don't tell him, but you can tell it to other people. Why? Because again, your friend has a friend, and your friend's friend also has a friend, so eventually it'll get around through that commutative principle or the communicative principle. So that would work then. What happens if you say to them, don't say anything. Don't elicit a word. Don't let a word coming out of your mouth. Right? Don't, literally, don't let a word come out. And so in that case, Razid says, So you didn't say anything. Meaning, there is no communication. So what about the other case where they say to him, we won't say anything. The same thing. So in none of these cases is there any kind of communication happening 
with the machzik, with the guy sitting on the land. So therefore, there's no real machah. There's no protest. Rav Huna braid Rav Yeshua mar kol milta de ramya inish amar la v'lava daite. Right? So, Rav Huna braid Rav Yeshua says, and this is a little mixed up here, a little, uh, so it says, any word that is not sitting on a person, right? In other words, a person is not weighted down by it. A person will say it, and he won't even think about it. Right? Why? And the Ram, so, that, what does this mean? The Rambam says, Because a person doesn't put his mind to things that he doesn't have, um, that, that, don't, that aren't substantive to him, and all the likes. So in other words, he's saying, Rav Hunabri Rav Yeshua is saying, so therefore, a person, if a person, if, if, if this is really important to me, but it's not important to you. So if I tell you, and then I say, don't tell anybody, you're going to tell people, because... It's not something that's actually on top of your mind. You might just say it, and and it doesn't doesn't make a difference. Person doesn't pay attention to everything he does. Rashi has a very uh, pungent example of this that a person doesn't pay attention to the things he does. Kihacha, and this is in Shavuot Lamadal Amud Bet. The same phrase called Milta de la Ramia Alei de Inish. Things that a person that aren't weighty for a person. A person doesn't go around and doesn't pay attention to every place that he urinated in order to remember them. Because he's just it's not something that he pays attention to, especially this is only true for men from the age of like three when they could stand up and pee on their own until forever. Alright, so what do we have here? What we have is interesting that the mecha'a is a communication. And if it doesn't fulfill the rules of communication, it doesn't fulfill the possibilities of being a communication between the machzik, the person between the ma'arer, the person who's claiming that the land is his, and the machzik, the person who is sitting on the land or usurping the land, depending on what the actual facts are. If there's no communication, then it's not considered a mecha'a. And this is interesting in many ways. In one way, one way to think about it is that all of property law is actually communication. Right, property law is sometimes thought of, and property is sometimes thought of as a social relation between people. It has to do with land in a certain way, but it has to do with don't come with with the boundaries, the territorializing of land, with with uh, uh, some you know markers which are symbolic and say things even without saying things like fences and border posts and and things like that. But this is one of those things that the, that is a communication about land. And if the communication doesn't work, then it doesn't exist. So the mecha'ah, if you're trying to do a mecha'ah, it has to travel from one person to the other. Okay, so this is in, that, in terms of the, the, the perhaps the history of this sugya. It's interesting, this is all Rav Zvid and Rav Papa, who are the generation after Abaya and Rava, who are Rav Nachman's students. And so if we look back to the, the sugya that was right before this, which was a Rava sugya, which was another part, even though it's in the next Mishnah, it's a continuation to some extent of all these Rava sugyas in, in, in this chapter, right? The, the, the sugya there ends with Rabbah stating the halacha, Rabbah says that the halacha is that you cannot have a chazaka on the property of a fugitive and a protest or a challenge 
not in front of a person is considered a protest, right? And that's almost, that's basically the last one. There's a comment on that. And that goes, then, uh, the next sugya starts, the sugya right after this starts with a, a conversation about with Rabbah saying again that non front of a person is a mecha. and in between there's this excursus which starts with what is a mecha? so I want to suggest this is probably later it's the next generation this is the commentary on the sugya on the larger on the larger text here this might to some extent support Avram Weiss's theory we mentioned Avram Weiss a while back he's a major 20th century Talmudist European-born, was in Warsaw. He negotiated with the Nazis around the Warsaw Ghetto, fled Europe, as was in flames in one of the visas that Yeshiva University gave as a teaching visa. He has, And he spent most of his career at Yeshiva University. But his theory of Talmud was that Talmud was never finally edited. It just agglomerated. Each generations took what they what the generation before did and then they would learn it and comment on it and when their comments got what he called a kfiasifrutit a literary formulation then they became part of the canon so here you have an example of where these conversations about mecha'ah shilobafanav you know protest not in front of a person were then commented on upon by Rav Zvid and Rav Papa or that generation and then they were they were they got a literary formulation in attribution to Rosvid and Rav Papa. So now the sugi continues. Amar Rava, Amar Rav Nachman, Mecha'a shelo b'fanav havi mecha'a. So Rava says in the name of Rav Nachman, we're continuing the previous conversation. Rava says in the name of his teacher, Mecha'a, a protest which is not in front of him, is considered a protest. Eight ve Rava le Rav Nachman. So Rav, Rava asks Rav Nachman, right? Rava relates this in Rav Nachman's name, but then... We have this, uh, another tradition of Rava challenging Rav Nachman, eight fair of Rava Nachman. Amr of Yehuda quoting the Mishnah. Lo amru shalosh shanim el kadeshiye ba'aspamya, viachzik shana, viachu viodiu shana, viavole shana acheret. Rav Yehuda said, the only reason they said three years is so that he would be in Spain. And he would hold the land for a year. And the person would be sitting on land for a year. And then they'd go to Spain and they'd inform the previous, the Maracama, the, pre- the previous owner, take him a year. And then he'd come for another year, take him a year back, three years. And then he'd be able to challenge it. So it would take three years, the whole process. Hey, guy sitting on your land. Takes a while till you figure out, guy sitting on the land. Takes a while to figure out that he doesn't belong there. Takes a year to get to Spain, and a year to get back to challenge it. Okay, and that, we did this last week. If you remember from last week, it's way more complicated. If you didn't hear last week's podcast, you're not going to need it for the rest of this, but you might want to go back to to hear it. If you're going to say that a challenge, which is not in front of the guy, in front of the the usurper, the, the moxik, is is considered a challenge, is okay. So why does he have to come back? Why can't he just stay in Spain on the Riviera? In Spain on the Mediterranean. Let him sit there in his place and protest. Right, so actually there, it's only good advice. It's only good advice that it's teaching us in the Mishnah 
um, so that you come and that you that the guy uh, uh, she should come and 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 take your land and your fruit so that it shouldn't you shouldn't lose your land and your fruit. But it's not a necessity because actually we say you're allowed to stay in Spain and protest. So since Rava challenges Rav Nachman on this point, it must be that he himself doesn't hold the position that a challenge not in front of a person is a challenge. But we know, we saw it on the previous page, we know that Rava said a challenge not in front of a person is a, is a challenge. So what are we doing here? If he's challenging Rav Nachman, and it's obvious that he doesn't hold the position that Rav Nachman holds. But he, just the previous page, does hold that position. So what's the story? We have a contradiction. So the Stam answers... After he heard Rav Nachman explain the situation with Rav Yehuda, so then he agreed with him. Okay, so now Rava also, so that's why Rava also holds, So Rav Yossi met the students of Rav Yochanan. Amar Laho, Mi Amar Rav Yochanan Mecha'a so he said to him, what is Rabbi Yochanan? Well, this is another angle of talking about what a protest is. How many people do you need in order to protest in front of? Rabbi Abba says in the name of Rabbi Yochanan, you need two people to protest. Rabbi Abba said in the name of Rabbi Yochanan that you need three people to protest. Lema bidirabba barav huna kamipagi. So, so now, so anytime that they have, that the Gemara has a lema bis something kamipagi or lema kamipagi, it means that they're going to change the, try to change the frame of the debate. In other words, they're going to, or they're going to suggest a frame for the debate, a different theory. Up to now, we just think it's a technical legal dispute that Rebbechia Barabba claims Rebbe Yochan says, you need two people to protest in front of, and Rabbi Abau says that Rabbi Yochanan says that you need three people. But actually, the Stam is suggesting that the d- difference between them is a difference whether or not they agree with Rabbi Barav Huna. The Amar Rabbi Barav Huna, Rabbi Barav Huna says, Kol milta demit apetlata let ba mishum lishna bisha. Anything that is said before three people is not considered Lashon Hara, is not considered gossip, right? And there's a prohibition against gossiping, against spreading gossip. Gossip actually is true. Right? There's a distinction, there's, there is Rechilut and there is Lashon Hara. Rechilut is false, Lashon Hara is true. There is a prohibition against Lotelech Rechil Bamecha, there's a prohibition against spreading gossip. And so if you if something is said in front of three people, then it is no longer considered Lashon Ara because it's already public. So you're allowed to put it out there. So going back, so the person who claims the Rabbi Bar Abba, who claimed the Rabbi Yochan said that you need two people for, for a protest, he doesn't hold of Rabbi Bar meaning he doesn't hold that three people is already a call, right? It's already, uh, uh, you need three people to make something public, right? Because the question is, a macha, right? We have the whole, you need it to be communicated. And the person 
meaning Rabbi Abahu, who says that Rabbi Yochan says that you need three people to protest in front of him. Why does he say that? Because he agrees with Rabbi Baravuna that it takes three people to make something public. So if you want to protest, you have to say it in front of three people. Look. So the Psalm says, no, that's actually, no, let's, let's move back. Let's take a step back. That's not actually the frame for this argument. The Kuliyama Itlud Rabbi Baravuna. Everybody holds like Rabbi Baravuna. Everybody says that three people is actually a gilui, is, is making something public. Bahaka Bahaka Mikpalgi. Actually, it's a different frame. This is what we're arguing about. This person who says two people holds that a mecha'a that is not in front of another person is not a mecha'a. So you only need two people, and two people is not doesn't have a public voice. So that's why it is not considered a protest. And the person who says that you need three people holds that a protest not in front of the person is considered a protest. Why? Because you need three people because it's already public, so therefore they'll hear about it. Or maybe everybody holds that a protest which is not in front of the person is considered a protest. And actually, this is what we're arguing about. The person who holds two says that you need witnesses to your protest. And the person who holds three demands that you don't need witnesses, but you need it to be public. It needs to be uncovered in the public. So what's going on here? Again, it's another aspect of the conversation about how communication happens, or, and this is interesting, that last frame is saying, is raising the question, do we need communication or do we need testimony, right? When I, and we, we raised this a little bit last week, when I find out that you are on my land, do I need you to know that I know that you're on my land and I'm going to challenge that so that you have to keep your star and you have to, you have to guard your star because I'm going to eventually take you to court? Or is it just important for me to make it known that I am protesting your being on my land so that when I finally get back to the place, finally get to a court and I sue you, I could say, I already started this three years ago, so even though now you sat here for a chazaka, I did a mecha'a, I protested it a while ago, so your chazaka doesn't count. That's the question. Which one of those things is right? And the one who says, that's the question of whether you need two people, whether you need testimony, a set of witnesses, which is two, or you need it to be public, which is three. This week's podcast is brought to you by Choni the Circle Maker. Is your business in a rut? Are you looking for an angle? Want a way to pull in some extra bucks? Well, you've come to the right place. Choni is a real rainmaker. No, seriously, he'll make it rain like you've never seen. I'm talking raining buckets, big buckets, pouring, flooding. Come to Choni if you want to hire someone who's going to really make it rain. Choni at www.notametaphor.com. Really, not a metaphor. Okay, a story. It's story time. And this story is fascinating. It's mainly fascinating because of the fact that, well, I don't know mainly, but it's fascinating because of the fact that the years out are all over the place and there are things that are missing in certain ones that aren't missing in others and ultimately there are contradictions and there you go. So it's fascinating. Gidu bar menyumi, habalai mechuyata lemachuye. So Gidul bar menyumi, had to register a protest. And it's an interesting turn of phrase. He had to protest a protest. 
לרב הונא ולחיה ברב ולרב חלקיה בר טובי דהבו יתפי ומחה כמיהו. So he found these three sages, Rav Huna, Chia Barab, and Rav Chilkia Bartuva, who were pretty impressive sages, who were sitting. Sitting means probably that they were studying. If it's Yativ Kamei, means they were studying from somebody. But Yativ could either be they were sitting in judgment or they were sitting in learning. And he protested in front of them. Lishana Hadar, Atalim Chuyei. In the next year, or just Lishana, in next year, he came back to protest again. Amrulei Latzrichat. They said to him, you don't have to. You don't have to come back. Hachi Amarav, because Rav says the following. Kevan shemicha shana rishana shuv eno tzarech limchot. Once you protested in the first year, you no longer have to protest. V'ika da Amri Amrulei Chiyabarav. Kevan shemicha shana rishana shuv eno tzarech limchot. And there are, there is another version of this in which it's Chia Barav who says that since you already, and he says basically the same thing, since you already protested in the first year, you don't have to protest in the second year. Here's kind of the, the interesting thing. There is a wild array of Girsaot in this first line. In other words, what they said to him. So the printed edition has Amrulei Latzrichad. And we have everything from to Amar that that Rav said to him, you don't need to, to Amarle Rav Huna Rav Shmuel Amri Travayu. To that Rav Huna and Shmuel, both of them said you don't need. And that's right, they didn't they just appeared. They weren't in the story up until now. And then when it says that Limchot doesn't exist, but the second line, the second version, is in, in many of the manuscripts doesn't exist. There is no two versions, there's just one version. Right? So some of the manuscripts don't have the second version of the story, which becomes interesting in a minute when we go to take a look at the Rishama. So if we read the story with the manuscript, right, that Gidubar Manyume had to protest, and he went and he ran across these three sages, and he protested, and then he came back the next year. And then what happens is... Amarlei Rav Hunav Rav Shmuel De Amar Travayu De Amri Travayu Kevan Shemicha Shanari Shana Shuvei Notzerach Limchot. Right. So when he came back, Rav Huna and Rav and Shmuel, who all said, or Rav and Shmuel, according to another Gersa, both said that you don't have to. That since you were Moche in the first year, you don't have to. Be mocha. You don't have to protest anymore. You don't have to come back year after year to protest. Okay. Now, there's one more line to the story here, which looks like more than one more line in the printed editions. And Reish Lakish says in the name of Bar Kapra that you have to protest at the end of every three years. So, like three years, six years, nine years. Rabbi Yochanan raised the question, does a thief have chazaka? In other words, if there's a whole challenge here, right? Once you're challenged, how is it that you have to be mocha again? How is it that you have to be protest, protest again? If your person is challenged, the assumption is that he got the, the land in a way that was inappropriate. He stole it or he defrauded it. So therefore, how could a thief have a chazaka? 
So the stamp says Gaz Gazlan Sagadetas. Do you actually think he's a Gazlan? Ella Kigazlan Yeshlo Chazaka. Rather, let's say Ama or is the some of the manuscripts say Ama Kigazlan Yeshlo Chazaka. Somebody who's like a Gazlan. Now, what does this mean? Somebody who's like a Gazlan. That means that if there is a Mecha'a and the guy stays on the land, right? It means that he had a Tana. So he's just saying, I bought it from you with a star, and I lost the star. So it's not clear that he's actually a thief. It's that he's like a thief. And Rejlak and Rabbi Yochanan is challenging whether or not in that situation that you can have a chazakah after there's already been a mecha. And then the printed edition ends, declaring the halacha that you have to be you have to protest at the end of all the years. That line is in none of the manuscripts. That Amarava line is not in the manuscript, and it's also not in the riff. It's not in in and the Adrama has a whole excursus about it, saying that it doesn't that it's not in it's not it shouldn't be in any of the Rishonim. Okay, so now we have a number of things here. So let's start, I think, with the Rishalmi. The Rishalmi has this story here. It starts uh, the Rishalmi on this Mishnah, Baba Bachi Gimel Gimel. Tzarich la'orer al kol shalosh and the Yishami starts, you have to protest uh, all three years. That might mean you have to protest every year or at the end of every, at the end of three years. Okay, but now it has a story which seems very similar to the story we have, but a little bit different. Gidu bar minyamin havalai uvda. So there was a story with uh, Gidu bar minyamin, and uvda is not only a story, as my said, it could be like it's a legally legally attached story, legally a story with a legal outcome. And Chilkia Bartuve and Ravuna and Chia Barav judged it. Amar Lon, Chia Barav. So Chia Barav said, Kain Amar Abba, so this is what my father said, meaning Rav, Mikevan She'arar Imo Shalosh Shanim Harishanot Od Ein Tzerich Since he already challenge three years in the beginning, he does not have to challenge him for three years anymore. So, in other words, after the first three years of challenging every year, there's no reason he has to challenge anymore. Utsni kain. Aya ochel shalosh sheh shanim. Orer shalosh shanim arishanot. Amar lo atam acharta liyatan atata limatana eina chazaka. So he says to him, and this is what it says in the, and this is what it teaches. If he ate these six years, and this is a brighter that's somewhat similar to this in, in the Tosefta. It's Nikent. There's a brighter like Haya Ochel Shalosh Shanim. He ate of his own fruit for six years. Arar Shalosh If the Marakama, the first guy, the first owner, challenged for the first three years, and he said to him, and the other, and the guy who's sitting on the land said to him, You sold it to me, you gave it to me. As a present, it's not a chazaka. He, he has no chazaka each time he's changing it. But if he keeps his same tana each time he comes and he says, What are you doing on my land? The guy says, You sold it to me, and here's a shtar, then it is a chazaka. Because every the principle that we've seen a million times. Any chazaka that ha- doesn't have with it a tana is not considered a chazaka. So that's a story which seems to be similar, but here's the line in the Yerushalmi. Mikevan she'arar imo shalosh shanim rishonot od Since he challenged the ownership three years in a row, 
he doesn't have to challenge it anymore. Ain't In the Bavli, says, Kevan Shemicha Shanari Shona Shuv Ain't So actually, they're not talking about the same thing. They're not talking about the same case. Yushalmi's case is actually after three years. What happens after three years? Does he have to keep on challenging it after three years? And that's why it makes sense when he ha- brings the Brita of the six years. So this story, when it moved from the Yushalmi to the Bavli, I don't know if it moved, and it didn't necessarily move directly. It could have moved. It could have both been working off of a different text, but it seems that it's the same thing. It's it's, Rabba, it's um, Gidu Bar Minyamin, even though... There it's in in the even though in the Bavli it's Gidu Barmanyumi, but that's the same that's the same definitely the same name, right? The language changes a bit, right? Instead of Habale Mechiyuta Lemchuye, it's Habale Uvda, but all that doesn't make a difference. What does make a difference is that in the Yerushalmi he's saying the question is whether or not he has to keep challenging after three years, and in the Bavli it's one year, and then whether he has to challenge the next year after he challenges the first year. So they're actually two different stories, and the, the story changes, and and the, the, the halacha changes, moving from the Babli to Yisham. The second question is, if this is the halacha, right, that you have to challenge at the end of every three years, and the halacha, not because Rabbah says Hilchata, because that's not in any of the manuscripts, and actually we don't follow that, but it's because it's Bar Kapra, and we do follow that. So it seems, or that's what seems to be the tendency here, is that Bar Kafra is, and then Rabbi Yochanan, who is Reish Lakish's bet noir or polemicist, he challenges seems Tahiba, right? Which all the Rishonim go to great lengths to say that he wasn't challenging it; he was just raising a question. But the question is, he's extending what Bar Kafra said, or he might be challenging. Okay, so. The question is then, if you remember, back on 30B31A, we had this case of what happened. So maybe we'll, we'll go over that case a little bit, very quickly. My bayit Baha'i Ara, uh, somebody said to their friend, what are you doing in my land? He says, Mi planya zavine va I bought it from Plony and he was consuming it and I consumed it for for. For the years of Chazaka, says, Ah, oh, I trump your star. Right? Shifra says, I bought it from Ruvain. And I have a star. And Levi says, I bought it from Ruvain. And I have a star that's four years that I trump your star. Amarlai says, Shifra says, Who says that the years of Chazaka are three years? Kamina Shne Chazaka Tuva. I actually mean. More years, right? Mi sabri shnei chazaka tzlat shani kamina shnei chazaka tuva kamina. I'm talking about more years. Amar Rava and Rava said avide inshi de karu lishnei tuva shnei chazaka, and it it makes sense. Per Rava says that actually that's what people do. They call and remember. There's a whole line of avide inshi, and but this is what people do that they do. They call shnei chazaka uh, many years. But here's the thing. And this is only, now this is either rubber, this is the Stam interjecting. This is only if Shifra had eaten for seven years. Because then the Chazaka of this one, of Shifra, was three years earlier than the Shtar of Ruven. 
And so when Ruben said, I have a four-year star, and Shifra says, I have three, I have been on here for seven years, I have three years greater than you. Aval, shit, ain't lecha mecha gdola But if it's only six years, there's no greater mecha, because if it's six years, then what Shifra's basically saying is, I bought the land, and then two years I had it, and then Ruben says, oh, but after two years, uh, Levi sold it to me. Meaning, Levi was basically saying, it's not your land, it's my land. Okay, so now the question is, what's the relationship between that where, and here where he said every three years you have to protest? Because there, it seems that there is no protest every three years. You're just sitting on the land, right? It doesn't say if it would have to be a protest every three years, and after the other guy bought the land for a year, he would have had to protest, to Shifra, or Shifra should have protested to him, should have known about it and protested to him. So it seems that there, these are two different cases which have different presumptions. And actually, the toast vote says just that, right? And not only the toast vote, but a whole bunch of people. So the Rashbam and the toast vote say that the reason that the Bar Kapra says that one needs to protest every three years is that a person only preserves their deed for three years after a protest. Rizrachia Levi is in the back of the book, but even though he shouldn't be in the back of the book, he's, he's actually always printed as a commentary on Alfasi, who's an 11th century Rishon, 11th century Halachist commentator, but he actually wrote his own book, but then the printers put it as a commentary. It wasn't actually a commentary. It's a commentary on the Gemara, not on Alfasi. Well, there's a story for another day. He says that the reason is that a person cannot say that they bought the land after the initial challenge, right? This is disputed by all of the above-named Rishonim. In other words, the, the Rashbam and Tosot all say that that's wrong with the theory that if a person says, I bought the land after the last protest, they're essentially admitting that originally they got the land in a manner which was not appropriate, I meaning theft, right? So in other words, that's why when Bar Kapra says you have to protest every three years, so the Rajbam and Tosvot say that the reason is because the person only only holds on to his deed for three years. And Zrachi Levi says, no, that's not the reason. The reason is so that you need three years after the original protest to have a chazaka. So that you can't have three years, because if you let them go for three years after the original protest, then they'll say, oh, we have a chazaka here. So Rashi and Rajbam say, no, that doesn't work, because if you claim that I have a chazaka now, meaning that I bought it from you after the original protest, you're admitting that in the original protest, it wasn't yours, okay? Rizrachi Alevi pushes back against this, saying, if you want to compare the current case to the principle that a chazaka reflects back on its beginning, that's, that is, if its beginning was wrong, it is then the proverbial fruit of the poisonous tree. As such was the case with Rava Bar Sharsham, if you remember, if you, if you daft back, and the land that belonged to the orphans, upon which Rava said the guy couldn't have claimed a chazaka, and therefore there was no migo that he might have been able to claim a chazaka because the voice had already gone out, it was already public, that it was orphan's land, right? If you remember that, it was, the door, it was the guy wanted to say, I could have claimed that it was my land, right? We had this Surin Mashkanta where he gets the fruit for a certain amount of time. Father dies. The, atone, the orphans are there. He says, I should have this land because I could have claimed that I bought it. But I didn't. And then Rav, there, Rava says, no, the guy couldn't have claimed that he had a chazaka because it already, everybody knew, it was already Karkash shall you tell me was the land of the orphans. There's a difference between those cases and these cases here, since in those cases of children growing up or orphans growing up, orphans growing up, they didn't know about the affair. They didn't know what was going on with the land. And the current Malsik, the current owner, the current 
owner of the land, intentionally hid that from them. However, with the land, the Maxik can claim that he initially only purchased the fruit, right? When you have here. So you have a Macha, but after the initial protest, he bought the land with a star and then he lost the star. So then when you say three years Chazaka, he's not saying that originally it was inappropriate. He's saying, no, originally I just, Yeratati Le Perot, right? I just went down and bought the 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 fruit and this is supported by Razud's ruling that one purchases fruit without a star right there's no star for purchasing the fruit so now we have two different versions of two different understandings of our gemara this is so so Zrachia Levi says that these two different gemaras are okay together but whereas the Baltoso comes to the conclusion that the sugya on 30b 31a disagrees with our sugya here because there the conclusion is that six years is a protest since after two, the other guy bought it, and there's no greater protest than the original owner selling it to someone else, right, with the story of Shifra and Ruvain and Levi. However, it doesn't say there that the original owner should have protested after three years. However, Rizrachia Levi disagrees and says that the two sugyot can agree, as in that sugya. Since there, too, the, the, the guy who's currently sitting on the land, the Moxie, can make the claim that after the Macha'ai bought it, because during the Macha'ai, only, I'd only gotten the, the fruit, but that is not a claim that we would make for the Moxie, right? That is not a claim that we would make for the Moxie. In other words, so the, the, meaning we, the Beitin, so the Moxie, the person who's sitting on it now, has to make that claim for himself, and that's why we say that you need a Macha'ai every, every three years. So now the interesting thing is that if we look at the Rambam, in the Mishnah Torah, where he has halacha, he claims that both of these sugyot are halachic, right? Are for our, he, he, he decides the halacha according to both these sugyot, right? So in Toen Vinitan chapter 15, 7, he says, If she ate, actually, if he ate the field less than seven years, it should go back to Shimon, right? Why? Because there's no greater protest than this, because he sold it, the field, before Ruvain was able to establish ownership of three years, right? In that case of 30B, 31A. Therefore, meaning, that seems to assume that you don't need a macha every three years. But he also says here, when he poskins on our, he poskins later on, Actually, earlier in Toyinimintan, in chapter 11, eleven eight, You can't have, you should not have three full years between between protests. So therefore, you have to protest at the end of every three years. So there's a lot of discussion in the Rambam about whether or not he's contradicting himself. According to, if we, we follow Zrachia Levi's line, it could be that... Here, we're talking about a case that first he can make a claim that first it was just about the fruit and then he took the land. Maybe not. Maybe there is a contradiction here and the Rambam's just going according to both cases. Maybe he was swayed by the fact that it said in his manuscripts, Amarabah Hilchita, right, that Rabbah had the halacha like it. Though it seems that the Yad Ramah is all up in arms saying that that whole girsa is wrong. And he says, I mean, he quotes everybody saying that that girsa is wrong. It shouldn't say Hilchita, and it actually we just ends with uh, Rabbi Yochan quoting Bar Kapara. All right, so that's where we're going to end. I just want to point out, I just want to raise one metaphoric issue, which is that we're talking about a protest, 
right? Even though here it's obviously not a protest that we think in terms of protest on the street, but rather a protest protesting the ownership. But the whole notion of the communicative situation in which the question is, when you protest, does it have to reach the ears of the ones you are protesting? Or is a protest which does not reach the ears still considered, are you just marking the protest, right? The question of saduta or kol, is it about testimony or is it about the voice of the people going out? And so that's an important question, right? Is it only about the street or is one person standing on the side of the street or outside their house with a sign enough? Or a person just saying to their friends, I disagree with this policy. Is that enough? So that's, that's a question. And I think that that's part of the question here. Is a protest supposed to be communication? Right? And that raises the question, if the communication doesn't work, either because the tactics used in the protest are wrong or the tactics used in the protest are ambiguous, is that still considered a protest, right? Is, does that fulfill, in quotation marks, the obligation of protest? On the other hand, if it's just about marking that this is wrong, then it doesn't have to do with whether or not somebody knows about it. And this is an ongoing, actually very relevant issue in what's going on in the streets nowadays and what's been going on in the streets for a while. Okay, with that, we're going to stop. I want to thank, as usual, the Daf Shui team, my wonderful producer, Ellie Unger-Sargon, whose new podcast just dropped. This is Anger Part 2 with uh, Ellie and Jeff Helmreich. Great podcast. I want to thank my chavruta, Charlotte van Robert. This week, without her, I would have been just totally in the muck. This week was all her. And, of course, the Dashui Communications team, consisting of Shachar Cohen Hodas, who is responsible for our beautiful logo. I am Arye Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at Irmiklat, I-R-M-I-K-L-A-T. So if you enjoyed these past 40 minutes or so, please give me a rating on my Apple Podcast page. If you give me a good rating, people will be able to find it, and it'll make me feel better. There you go. Thank you so much for spending the last 40 minutes with me in the Beit Midrash in the closet, the safer at home Talmud study. Next week, please bring friends so that the sounds of studying of Torah resound throughout the land. Be well, be safe.